0: Welcome to the Nate Morris podcast. I am your host, Pastor Nate Morris. And um, today we have a very special guest. Pastor Scott Cunningham is going to be on the show today. And before we get to that, though, I just want to say, if you're tuning in, maybe this is your first time or you've been listening for a little while, if you could do us a favor and uh, click the like button on your podcasting platform or rate us, um, all those things help us get pushed up further in the algorithm, uh, just to help more people hear about this podcast and uh, what we're doing and what we're talking about. So um, as usual on this show, we like to talk about some of the issues that uh, maybe we tend to dance around and don't really want to talk about in church or in our social groups, whatever. We've talked about things like race issues and politics and um, shutdowns and mask orders and all the different things. And so today is going to be no exception to that. Um, Today, we're going to talk about um, the church and um, unity within the church and what it looks like to work together as believers. Um, but before we get to that, I just want to take a second and introduce uh, Scott Cunningham, our guest to you. Um, Scott is the worship pastor at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. He also runs the um, School of uh, school of Worship um, out of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa as well. He's been a longtime member of the Calvary Chapel movement and um, God has been working in some pretty powerful ways in and through him for many years. So Scott, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Nate. Great to be with you.
0: So glad you could join us today. Um, Scott, why don't you take just a second and tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your your family, um, where, where you live, what God's got you doing right now, um, and maybe some of your background in church ministry.
1: Sure, yeah, I actually uh, grew up as a kid here at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, um, where I'm now on staff. I've been on staff here for almost 21 years, I think coming up in the summer here. So, um, in some ways, it feels like I have never left, but I, I did I did go, I went to elementary school and, and went to church here through high school and college and went to uh, the Calvary Chapel Bible College um, in my early 20s and met my wife. And uh, we ended up going and serving at Calvary Chapel Vista for five years with Pastor Brian Broderson, who during that time left to go um, uh, take over a church plant that he had planted there in London. And then uh, in 2000, Pastor Chuck here at Costa Mesa asked Brian to come back and do a three year transition. He had been asking Brian for years to come, and uh, Brian just didn't feel like it was the right time for them and their family and the ministry stuff. And so, uh, but in 2000, um, he was asked again, and he just felt like the Lord had told him it was time to, to come back to Costa Mesa and start that transition with. Uh, pastor Chuck. And so in that time, he kind of started bringing um, guys with him as kind of a transition team. And the worship leader at the time was leaving. And so Brian had asked me to come and be uh, the worship leader at uh, Calvary here in in the summer of 2000. And at the time, I was a high school pastor at Calvary Vista and loving it and just had such a, an amazing experience there. And um, and I kind of felt like the Lord was bringing us full circle back to where I, I had grown up to serve at the church that had been kind of my spiritual formation as a young man. So it I felt a huge honor and a huge privilege to, to be asked and to be able to be a part of that, but also knew kind of stepping into it, that it would be really challenging. And I had a few friends that just said, Hey, this is going to be, this is going to be hard. And I'm like, I know it'll, yeah. it'll be challenging, but they, they, there, I didn't quite know how challenging it was going to be, but um, okay. So it was just like huge privilege and and huge yeah. huge challenge, um, and so that that was in summer of two thousand. And at the time, we had two kids. We now have uh, five girls. We had three more when we moved to Costa Mesa. So it's a tribe of females. So I have a. Women's ministry at home, but my oldest now, <laughs> my oldest now is married, and uh, and my second oldest lives in New York, and we have three at home right now. So, um, two two still in high school, so we're still kind of making our way through uh, those teen years. But it's been awesome. I've been married to my lovely wife for uh, twenty five years, and so yeah, it's been awesome. a it's been a journey.
0: <laughs> Congratulations! When was your anniversary?
1: uh september 2nd and so we're about uh, halfway through year 25.
0: (laughs) cool quarter century that's awesome Mm. well um scott you've grown up in in calvary chapel really it's i mean from what I, i understand really pretty much your whole life uh it sounds like and um so within that you've experienced the the full gamut of of from being under Pastor Chuck um, as, you know, growing up in the church at Costa Mesa and the school there and um, all the way to serving under our different pastors and um, been very close to the Calvary Chapel movement. And you spoke um, this last fall at a conference that uh, our church attended. And I just really valued some of the things that you had to say at that conference um, regarding just churches and ministry and, you know, uh, really what it looks like to, to serve together um with hearts towards the lord and not be divided and i think you know myself i actually didn't grow up in calvary chapel um i started i have a very diverse church background because uh i you know i'm originally from texas and um growing up the the first church that i remember was this i can't even remember the name of it but this little church um that really uh, started out really good, but then got really off theologically. And I mean, like to where you weren't allowed to watch TV, you weren't allowed to do certain things. You could only wear certain types of clothing. And I don't mean like wow. dress modestly. I mean, like you couldn't wear something that they would consider, like you couldn't wear Mickey mouse on your shirt, you know, type of stuff. And it got really, <laughs> really weird. Uh, yeah. and I remember as a kid, and this was, I was maybe six or seven years old, so I, I don't have a ton of memories about it other than I remember. Uh, my parents deciding that we needed to leave that church. And then as we did, um, we were shunned from that church. Literally, if somebody saw us in the grocery store, they would, you know, turn their back and walk the other way, um, which happened a couple of times. And so we left that and we went to another church that was, uh, hope chapel, which is a, another kind of movement, kind of like Calvary chapel in a sense. I think it might have even come out of Calvary chapel, um, okay. back in the day. And we were there for a couple years and then we moved to colorado from texas Uh, and then in colorado we went to a baptist church for a while we went to another church for a little while and so uh, i kind of have a a diverse background and then my my parents both stopped going to church uh when i was in middle school i kind of walked away from the lord Uh, and really when i came back to the lord later in high school i had to find my own church and so i ended up going to a local bible church um, and then through that some friends there was introduced to the Calvary Chapel here in the area. And that Mm. was kind of my first introduction to Calvary Chapel. But all that to say, as I kind of grew up and went to college, I was involved at uh, Crossroads Church of Denver, which uh, Tom Stipe was the pastor there. Yes. Um, And it was a Calvary Chapel um, affiliated ministry. And I met Pete Nelson there and he was kind of my mentor. Um, And he hired me as a pastoral intern under him um, doing, you know, uh, youth ministry and some other stuff. And so I kind of then started to develop this relationship with Calvary Chapel and um, over the years served at a few different Calvary chapels. And when we went to go plant a church in 2010, my wife and I were just praying about, okay, is this going to be a Calvary Chapel church? And we just, and praying about it and really seeking the Lord, we felt like, yes, this is, we are theologically aligned. Our ministry vision is the same. um, This is what we want to do. Right. And so Mm. Um, we stepped out into that and, and I'll, I'll be honest at that point, um, in time, and this is, you know, 11 years ago as a, a young pastor, I, I actually started out as in worship ministry. I don't know if you might. Yeah. I remember you that, saying but, that. Yeah. Um, I was in a Christian rock band and then I was yeah, a worship yeah. leader and I never wanted to be a pastor. Um, but yeah. as God was developing that gifting within me here at this Calvary chapel that I'm leading right now, um, I just developed a passion for um teaching and for for pastoring and as i did i um i became very zealous i guess for our brand of christianity you could call it right <laughs> the calvary chapel brand in a sense you know which i still am um, i still really strongly believe in the, the 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 theological stance that we take yeah and many of the stylistic you know things that we do um but Uh, as, as we went out to launch this church, to be honest, I kind of was in a spot of a little bit, you know, if, if somebody wasn't a Calvary chapel, they weren't really doing real ministry or, you know, they, they were off in this, or they're off in that really looking for all of the, the ways that, that they were different and therefore wrong because of that difference. Yeah. Um, and that, that wasn't modeled to me by my pastor, um, at all the pastor that I grew up under here um but but I think it was in some senses from from some of the other people in the movement at the time yeah. um, and it took a few years for me to really get over that now have you experienced that in in Calvary Chapel circles in the past that that kind of thought process and attitude
1: yeah it's one of those things that it's so interesting because um you know I don't think it was it's ever really said from the pulpit or or you know taught that way but Right. I, I kind of feel like it's human, it's human nature to a certain degree. Like we're blessed by what yeah. the Lord has done in our tribe or in our stream of, uh, you know, churches and we're thankful for it. And then we kind of like, yeah. as you grow in it, you kind of start to see the differences in both the philosophical approach to ministry, um, some theological differences, some different right. emphasis, and you kind of you're thankful for what you've been given and you feel like it's like the the right way, like the maybe the best way or or yeah. um, and for me coming out of Bible college, I, I loved it. I, I definitely felt like our teachers were were emphasizing why why we, you know, are, are blessed in a sense at Calvary Chapel because of we do these things. So you kind of come out of it with that mentality of like, yeah, we're, we're blessed and God's blessed us. And sometimes we have the mentality that God has blessed us because we have done these things or we do these things. That's why God has blessed Calvary Chapel. And, um, over the years, I felt like the Lord has had to undo, has been undoing and Um, still has work to do. I'm sure in my heart of this, this kind of party tribal spirit that is actually um, it's, it's subtle spiritual pride. And it's, Mm -hmm. I think we all have it. We're all, it it kind of starts with maybe a thankful heart for what the Lord has done. And we know what God's done in our lives. Personally, we connect that to uh, the tribe that we're, we're involved with. And so we also, we start to like, kind of like get that mentality of, of like, we love Jesus, yes, we do, we love Jesus, but how about you, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, those kind of yeah. chants, you know. Yeah. And and there's something that's understandable, it's kind of human nature, but there's something really like wrong about that. And again, yeah. I don't think, I think we're, like, you know, third, fourth generation Calvary kids, in a sense, kind of coming right. up. And I don't think, I, like you said, I don't think our leaders were kind of um, promoting that. I think it's just something that happens over time. And uh, like, yeah. like, for example, you know we have a radio station here at k-wave and i remember listening one time where somebody would call in and they're like you know you know pastor chuck you know down the street you know rick warren um, he wrote this book called purpose-driven life and and you know he, he was kind of critical the caller was kind of critical of it and of the way that they did yeah. church of the book and and chuck just responded with like well i I believe it's the spirit driven life, you know, or something like that, you know, like, yeah, right. That's a good Chuck impression right there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, mate. Many years of practice. Right. And if I have a cold, I can, I can get really close, but, um, okay. So, (laughs) but I think the, you know, that would, that would kind of be the thing. It's like, yeah, spirit driven life, not purpose driven, you know, and and we would kind of start to get this mentality where we'd we'd kind of throw stones or we would talk down about other church we you know oh, that's church light, you know, that's Christianity right. light. You know, we're like we're right. a the Bible believing, you know, Bible teaching mm-hmm. church in the neighborhood in a sense. And so right. when they're done with that, they're gonna come over here to a real Bible teaching kind of a thing. Or or other churches. And we would we would kinda hear things secondhand, third hand about other churches and we would kind of form these opinions and attitudes and right. like you said, like we we're talking about before, um, you know, we have to do one of two things. We have to categorize them in this like they're in the carnal category or we're right. going to cata- cata- categorize them. Hey, they're probably in the they might even be in the heretical category. So yeah. so we would travel over the years. We would travel to different Calvary chapels. We would do missions around the world. And what we would find is some of these Calvary guys were parroting what they would hear back here in Costa Mesa or other churches, oh, oh, that Rick Warren doctrine, it's heresy. And you know, we were in Scotland and this guy, I think I told the story at the conference, but this guy in Scotland was like um just, you know, the encouragement to the local pastors were, hey, meet with other pastors. You guys um make sure you have other if community, reach out to other denominations and leaders and get yeah. to know them, have fellowship with them, spend time with them. And he, this guy was like this lone wolf. Like, oh, they're all this and that. He just kind of categorized everybody, and and oh, they have Rick Warren doctrine over here, and this kind of doctrine over yeah. there. And so I'm not gonna. Right. And to me, that that's the problem. Is it we we start to export this kind of mentality that is actually divisive, and it's actually mm-hmm. harmful because it makes you this isolated um, kind of you know either ministry or pastor or or church. And yeah. you start to kind of like think badly about everybody else. And it's really harmful right. because there's all of a sudden we become unteachable, Like we can't yeah. learn from anybody else because we're doing it right. We're doing it the best and God has blessed us and he's not blessing you. And if he does bless you, there's something wrong. And we probably, right. probably the devil doing something over there, you know, not the, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's so wrong. Actually. And like we were saying, when we get to heaven, we're going to be linking arms with them, worshiping Jesus, people that we have talked bad about, you know, or, or of spirit, and and it's like, we're going to be in eternity. So that's what you have to do. You have to come to this place where you're, you're going to say either, oh, they might not be in heaven. I mean, they're not even, we don't know if they're Christian or you're going to say, Hey man, they're a brother and sister in Christ. They do ministry a little bit different. They might have secondary theological things that we would disagree upon, but we are united. In the mission of the gospel, we are part of the same body of Christ. Right. And we will be in yeah. eternity forever, and that's that's the truth. <laughs> that's the reality. Yeah, absolutely, you know what I mean. So um, it's just interesting. Over the years, I feel like the Lord had to undo that kind of party spirit in me. Yeah. Um. Where yeah. This is our, You know, this is our party. This is we're we're this, and we're we're probably Red. better. You know, and it's wrong. And yeah. so, so I think that at the conference, I felt you know that that theme of unity felt very you know, we're, we're in a very divisive political climate. We're in a very kind of in a divisive, we've kind of gone through a little bit of a, a split in the Calvary world, sort of, you know, of just guys kind of like with, they, 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 yeah. they feel like, Hey, their, their lens of ministry is what would Chuck do? So they kind right. of see everything through. If Chuck wouldn't have done it, we're not doing it. And somebody's doing yeah. it, not like Chuck did it. So we're not going to like, we're not going to fellowship with you. We need to part ways, you know? Right. And, yeah. uh, and that to me is really sad to me. It's like, it's really immature. Like it, I, I mm-hmm. feel like it, you know, it's this mentality. It's the same thing in, in first Corinthians. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. like, they're, 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 you know, taking these men and, and putting them in this position that, that yeah. they were never meant to be. And so, right. and I think it also comes back to the mentality that, well, The reason why God blessed Chuck is because he did all these things and here's the formula. So we need to do these things and you're not doing those things. So we're not gonna fellowship with you. And and, in my mentality, I think God blessed Calvary Chapel because God chose to bless Calvary Chapel. God blessed Saddleback because God is a blessing God and he blessed Saddleback. God blessed Mariners, God blessed all, all other denominations, other churches um right. because he saves people and he works and it's it's almost despite our theological perfectness you know right. he just loves <laughs> right. people and and uh yeah. yeah there's beautiful principles that we've been handed down of teaching the word of god verse by verse expositionally through yeah. the bible those are things that we we love and feel passionate about there's other churches that don't do it that way that god has blessed right. and it's like amen amen yeah that's awesome So a yeah. lot to be said there absolutely. but absolutely yeah no
0: that's awesome i think I, you, you touched on something i think that's really important there because um that's a that that mentality and nobody is thinking that thinking like oh we have to do all of these things to be blessed i don't think necessarily but it really is a workspace mentality yeah um that if i do a and b then god will do c Yeah. Um, And, and of course there's, there's an element of truth. Like if, if I go out there and I decide to be an idiot and do a bunch of really bad things, then I can expect the negative consequences. Contrarily, if I go out there and I am responsible and doing the right thing, there's going to be blessing in that. But when it comes to blessing of god we're given the blessing of god purely on the merit of the blood of jesus right it's not on what we've done or what we could do because we could never do enough and uh, and i think we as believers believe that but i think we have a hard time when it comes to practically living that we we think that there's something i have to do in order to get the blessing of god yes um and I think that God blessed Calvary Chapel uniquely, and, and you know we're talking about Calvary Chapel. It's interesting. Most of my listeners, uh, where we live, Calvary Chapel is not really a thing. Um, sure, yeah, of, yeah. People yeah. don't really know what it is, right? Uh, but but I think even in our group, what I think what happened as Pastor Chuck, um, you're talking about him as he passed away, um, and Brian stepped into leadership there at Costa Mesa, and the movement kind of um, needed new direction, and things started to change. Um, that same mentality that was given towards outside groups was then turned inside. And I think that's inevitably what happens when we have that mentality Yeah, is eventually there's nobody left to turn against except yourself. And yeah, um, that's a really, that's happened a little bit.
1: Yeah. That's a really fascinating insight. That's true. And I think that that's the area that I think the Lord wants to, to work, you know, out of us in Calvary chapel Um, because that's a sure that, that is, that is a, that is a nail in the coffin that if you want to kill a movement, if you want to kill a work of God, if you want to kill a fellowship of churches, just start the infighting and the comparisons yeah. and, you know, um, all that stuff. It just, it kills it. It's majoring on right. the the minors, the non-essentials. And I think yeah that uh, that will kill it. So I, I, you know, that worries me. And I think I'm, you know, I want to, I want to just kind of, challenge that mentality and i know well-meaning godly brothers and sisters that are way more mature than than i am and have been in ministry longer have their reasons and their perspectives and stuff but i would just say hey um let's kind of like show me show me in the word of god in the bible like let's get back to like we are challenged time and time again to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace that's that is our challenge because I think our human nature is to divide. Our human nature is right. to divide for the wrong reasons. Obviously, there's there's right. right reasons to divide. You know, there's reasons that you know there's certain hills to die on, and um yeah. and we the essentials and the truths and the uh, um the unchanging truth of the Word of God and doctrinal things. I think that that are that are so foundational. Obviously, those are important. We're not talking about right. those things. Um, and I in in one of my classes and um in school right now what our professors was saying you know you have to determine like what what are you going to die for right. what are you going to divide over what are you mm-hmm. going to just uh debate on and what yeah. are you just gonna you know the, the fourth one was like decide you know it's like divide yeah. or die divide um, debate and decide just, and, and I think sometimes we move these secondary secondary categories up to these, like, almost like I'm going to die for this category, but specific, but for sure, like I'm going to divide over this. And, and that's where, that's where the rub comes. Like, what are you will, what do you really think is worth dividing over? Like dividing Mm -hmm. the body of Christ over, you know, I mean, this is like church history repeating itself. So, you know, um, it's happened all the way through church history. And I think it's just kind of something that we have to constantly kind of reflect on and, and face again in the new generation, the next generation. But I just feel like we could be a lot more gracious. We could be a lot yeah. more open-handed. We could be a lot more understanding and praying for each other as leaders and churches. And and I like we were talking about, I was mentioning in the study at um, Colorado, there's so many different... Um, so many different streams of churches, so many different denominations, so many different emphasis. But even in like think in our own stream of Calvary Chapels, like the different emphasis, um, emphases on uh, certain giftings. I think of Greg Laurie, he's right. he's a full-on, you know, passionate, gifted, anointed evangelist that right. Sunday mornings he's doing altar calls, he's doing huge harvest crusades. Mm-hmm. That is his gift, his call. He can take the gospel, make it super simple, understandable, yeah. relatable and that's that's his kind of dna and so a lot of churches like like a lot of churches that were kind of spawned out of harvest have that similar dna yeah but right. we could you know you know if if we looked at that and, and we're like well you know or or they if they turned it around I'm like well you guys aren't doing altar calls every week so we're not going to you I know, know yeah. can't fellowship with us like in Calvary chapels you have all this diversity like there's strong teachers teaching gifts in Calvary they're, they're very good expositional versus versus teachers there's guys that are like Greg super Um, strong evangelists. There's guys that are, um, have a really strong hospitality gift where they just, they, they do community so well and they, they have a way of connecting people to other people. And, and there's just something, you know, you just see this diversity and the beauty of the body of Christ. So instead of like comparing and, um, you know, just, uh, criticizing each other, we should just be, highlighting the beauty of the diversity you Go, man! this guy's god's really using them in this way and I, it's beautiful right you know it's different people yeah. and I, I the lord's made me unique and i'll probably do it the way god's called me to do it or whatever you know yeah um, i think if we were a lot more gracious with each other a lot more understanding and a lot more biblical like in endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit mm the bond of peace. It's what we have. We have unity because we're unified around the essentials, but we have to work hard. And it's almost like you have to fight for unity. You have to fight against, I think you have to fight against, um, division and you have to fight for unity. And and that usually means dying to ourselves. It usually means like dying to my preferences. It usually means like right. listening. I need to listen a lot more to people and why they do what they do and their heart behind it instead of just criticizing yeah. them. I need to, you know, it's so funny too, because you know, we get, you know, Calvary Chapel has been criticized, you know, that that historically is what Calvary was. Is Chuck was starting this church that opened the doors to all these young hippies that right. local churches were criticizing for being, oh, in fact, you know, not to name names, but I'll name them. Uh, John MacArthur, after Chuck passed, really criticized Chuck for being yeah. responsible, like almost single, single-handedly single responsible for letting the world invade the church. So for him, like drums, electric guitar, all this music right. that he sees as negative, um, he kind of accuses Chuck for, for doing that. And then, yeah. you know, and his comment was, whatever happened to him's, and suits and ties so that that's his value hymns and suits and ties yeah so so we've been criticized by other churches for being this like you know because chuck was this in a a lot of ways he he just it was revolutionary he just opened the door to a, a soundtrack a style of music that was kind of you know sitting in that the generation that you know relevant for the generation and maranatha music was birthed out of that you have all these um praise Choruses that really, yeah, hadn't taken hold that were were sweeping the world. You had these love song, you know, Jesus people bands that were, yeah, you know, very unique to that as well. And so, and God was just saving people, and Chuck went yeah. with what he believed the Holy Spirit was doing, and right. criticized for it. And so, well, and he we let sure, all people think about, like, "Hey, we should not be that way."
0: <laughs> I know, yeah, I agree. And he let he let people that <laughs> he let people have the pulpit that probably, maybe, like uh, under today's standards, I might not even let. <laughs> no, the, you know what I mean. It's no,
1: like, yeah, he you took you a lot let that of person
0: years. preach like you know. And, There's stories um, of like
1: musicians that just got out of jail. they were arrested for marijuana, you know, and they're getting saved. Yeah, go to jail, and they're like that night they're. <laughs> they're singing at Calvary Chapel. But I, know, Beck, I know. Beck was like, you know what? We're just, you know, the Lord's working and they're, yeah. come, they're it's a process of sanctification. We're just gonna give them of an opportunity to yeah. serve. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's, um, mm. it, it is, you know, I, I think what happens is, like you said, we attach to something that works really well mm-hmm. and we attach to the good ideas and the good doctrine like i I really still like i said i still really believe the reason yes. that we planted a calvary chapel and the reason that i moved back when we came to this church and was all too happy again to be in another calvary chapel um, leading this church is because there's such a solid foundation there and yeah. there's such good solid doctrine in so many ways i mean i think the the, the thing that i love about the teaching of what what you know God has led in our movement is um, the reality that it really circumvents a lot of the man made divisions. Um, specifically, you know, you talk about Calvinism and Arminianism, it's like, well, the Bible teaches both as parallel truths. There's an element of like, you need to, to you have to wrestle with that and you might not get it all. And you might not be able to figure it all out exactly. And that's okay. There's, yeah. you know, um, and, exactly. and spiritual gifts, you know, and their validity for today versus cessationism. And it's, it's like, well, yes, they are for today. And there is an element of that, but we also don't want to take it in excess and, yeah. um, be over the top. Um, so, so like the, the, the foundation that's there, um, has been something that I've really valued. Now it's interesting though, because that same foundation that would essentially remove a lot of these divisions has now kind of created its own division sometimes. But, um, but I think that like, for me, when I think about all of that and for me, that process of, um, you know, after we planted this church in the church in Denver and, um really went through that process of growing and that and growing in leadership and then realizing like hey there's some there's some really solid guys here that are in gr- denominations and groups that i would like normally not partner with or associate with and getting to know some of those guys and b- being friends with some of those guys yes. and hearing their hearts for the lord and um really recognizing that the body of christ is so much bigger than one group of people yes um and i think especially here in the vale valley where i'm at now um like i said nobody really knows what calvary chapel is <laughs> out here yeah. it's yeah. like i mean people that move here from california might have an idea but um there's not a ton of calvary chapels out here in the mountains and um there's this thing here called the vale pastors network and it's a group of pastors of all the local churches and Amazing. um And it's cool. We meet together once a month. We share resources. We talk about different things. We, you know, fellowship, all that stuff. Um, and some of them I have, you know, decent enough doctrinal differences with that. I might say, well, that's not really like, I'm not going to like work together with you fully unhindered on every little thing. Sure. Um, But when it comes down to those essential truths of Christianity, like what really, who is God and how are we saved? I mean, that's really like the the, the bottom line essential. I mean, you gotta start there, right? Right. Um, That there's unity in that. And then there's there's the opportunity to then have diversity in that as well. Exactly. Um, And I just think of, you know, Jesus in John 17, he he's praying you know and it's a public prayer so that we can hear it really is what it's why it's public um yeah. and he says in John 17 starting in verse 20 he says he, he says i do not pray for these alone speaking of his disciples but also for those who will believe in me through their word which is you and me and everybody that's a believer today right and then he says that they all may be one as you father are in me and i in you that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me yeah and so he says that his prayer is that we who are the ones who believed in the teaching of the disciples would be one um and that the world would believe in jesus through that unity that we display which unfortunately all too often is not put at the forefront um and then he goes on and you know says um that you know we're in him and he's in the father in this whole picture um and the reality is that we are one whether we admit it or not <laughs> to, exactly you know? yeah so yeah those fellow brothers and and sisters that i know that those those people that are um that i have differences with of style or doctrine or whatever uh on this veil pastors network for example we are already one in christ if we have the essentials the same right and and like i said we will be sitting in heaven praising god together that doesn't mean i have to agree with everything that they believe you know and agree with every matter of doctrine that they proclaim and i do think that there is a dividing line i think there's a line where we do divide um at some point you know when you when you come across false teaching that is you know to the extent that uh it, it affects who god is or how we're saved And that's a dividing line for me, right? If someone's Mm -hmm. saying that Jesus isn't God, then that's a dividing line for me. That's why Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, we can't have that fellowship, right? Exactly. Um, If someone says that you are saved by your good works, then that's a dividing line for me because I'm saved only by the blood of Jesus. But if somebody has what I perceive to be a false teaching about um, spiritual gifts or someone has what I perceive to be a false teaching about uh, even uh, men and women's roles in ministry, or um, someone has a false teaching about um, even a, even like a prosperity type of teaching, sort of, yep. um, depending on how that affects who God is and yes. how we're saved, those, those might be dividing lines in the sense that I might not do ministry with them, but we're still- Yes saved the same way by the same God, ultimately I'll be standing next to that person in heaven. You know, that's right. That's right.
1: And I love that. It's just important to remember that. Yeah. I feel like that, that kind of like fellowship with (laughs) guys in your community, other pastors and stuff. I mean, you think about it, like you're, there's things that um, you're going to learn. You're going to, you just, we basically become teachable at that point as well, where we're going, Oh man, that's a really great idea. I love how you're Doing right. community groups, or I love how you're doing outreach, and I, I can learn from that, or I could support that, or I could partner with you in that. Which I would love to just link arms and serve together. Yeah. Um, or and when we cut ourselves off from that kind of network and those kind of friendships, we also lose the opportunity to be a good influence in yeah, in their life. Absolutely. So maybe there's something yeah. that you're doing at church that. They're like, oh, wow, I love that you teach, you're going through revelation right now and teaching that, that's incredible. How do you do that? And how do you deal with these kind of issues? And I think those conversations are so encouraging and so helpful. And uh, for me, um, it kind of started because we lived in this area, uh, it was called College Park in in, um, Costa Mesa here. And all these pastors from a local church called Rock Harbor were living in the same neighborhood. Now everything yeah. I had heard about Rock Harbor was super negative, and you know they're carnal, they're this, they're that. They you know uh, they drink in their home fellowships or something. You <laughs> so know, I had heard these yeah. things, and I so I'd just be really <laughs> suspicious of them, and just kind of like oh, I don't know, and like and then I see them around. But every Wednesday night, our neighborhood would pack out with cars, and neighbors were getting saved, and yeah, um, they were just connecting to the community in such a beautiful way. That I was like, I was humbled, I was challenged and convicted. And as I got to know them, I just realized, man, these guys—they love Jesus. They want to see the gospel spread. They want to see people grow. Like they had the same heart. Um, they did a the church a little bit different. They work more topical probably in their teaching, or they go through series right. or whatever. But and they were reaching all these young people. There was all these young college age kids that were coming to the church from our local universities and getting saved and. And they admittedly were like, a, we're learning as we go. We're trying to be good stewards of this, you know, opportunity that we have. But, um, and I, I don't know, for me, that was like the beginning of like, undoing this this thing in me and realizing that, wow, these guys are actually doing it better than we are way better. We okay. need to, like I right. learned from them and I wanna to get to know them yeah. how they do it. We would probably do it a little bit different, but, but it was still amazing to see the Lord uh you know working in their church in a powerful way yeah and it was so funny because we got a call it wasn't actually funny at the time looking back it's it's kind of funny but they the the lead pastor called brian and said hey brian would you would you come meet with us on our our leadership for a little bit we'd love to just talk with you guys and so i was like "Brian's like sure you mind if i bring a couple guys with me so he brought uh, another guy and the pastor and brought me with them to this meeting. And it was their pastoral staff and their elder team, and they said, and what was so funny is because in the season it was probably like early two thousands, maybe mid two thousands or something, and you know, okay, and uh, they're they're probably about three or four miles away from us, and they basically said, hey, first of all, we just want to say you know, thank you because so many of the people in our church have come from Calvary Chapel, and they're like, <laughs> they're like the the mature believers in our church have yeah. come from Calvary, and we're like. Oh, <laughs> and because a lot at the time, a lot of people were leaving Calvary Costa Mesa for for you know interesting reasons. Some of it because because it's a whole nother story. But we were becoming you know older and older. And as Chuck got older, he got more um, you know he kind of reverted back to what he liked when he was a kid. We had like a men's choir. We were all wearing you know suits and ties every Sunday morning. He, he had an organist and a pianist, and and Chuck would yeah. you know we had these three guys singing hymns and. Most every other no other Calvary Chapel was doing worship or their their gathering services like right. we were doing it. You know we had become yeah. so so different, and so a lot of people that had been at Calvary for a lot of years were leaving, and and they were going to Harvest OC now, and and going some going right. to Mariners, some going to Rock Harbor. Yeah. So anyway, that's a little backstory, but they're like, thank you. So many of our, our mature believers are like are you know, from Calvary and they just know the Bible and they're amazing. And, and, uh, but we have all these like unchurched kids and stuff too, that we're dealing with. And, um, so it's just great to have some of these mature believers. Um, but the next thing they said was what we actually called you here for was we, we just have been hearing not from just a few people, but multiple people that you guys are saying about us that we're this emergent church. And back in the day, that was the big buzzword, right? emergent yeah. church you know emerging church emergent church there was these like right. words that meant different things and so back in the day emer- emerging church or it was like a, the church that was doing church a little different they were approaching right. the service with more of a kind of a you know uh, you know a, a modern approach and and that kind of a thing and they might have used candles they might have used smoke machines they might have used different things right. that that in calvary we were very suspicious of and yeah. And so they they were hearing from a lot of people that people from Calgary were accusing them of being this emergent church. But on the negative side of emergent, like the emergent church would be questioning core doctrinal beliefs, right? Uh, yeah. Like is is the virgin birth even necessary? Those kind of things. So yeah. so there were churches doing that. Um, that, you know, I think Rob Bell back in the day and some of those guys were, were right. so, like sawing off the theological branch that everybody was sitting on. One person said, well, totally
0: um, yeah. and, and
1: that they were kind of deconstructing everything to the point where they would end up with nothing. They just, you know, burned it all down. Yeah. And, right. uh. And, but anyway, that was not them. That wasn't rock Harbor at all. But we were accusing them. We were kind of lumping everybody with any kind type of like modern approach or different approach to church, like their philosophical approach to church as like emergent. And, yeah. um, and, and so they just said, Hey, first of all, we just want to let you guys know where we stand theologically. So you can hear it from us um, that, you know, we're Bible believing evangelical, you know, all these, he was just walking down the line of, of what they believed, which was, exactly the same as us they would just approach church a little bit different and then they asked us they looked at brian said but are you guys are you guys saying this from the pulpit because there's so many people coming to us like it was this like loving rebuke (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) and it was like oh wow they're actually doing matthew 18 they're walking up they're going to us and dealing with this in such a biblical way and it was humbling, and it was convicting. And and Brian's like, "No, we have we haven't said that from the pulpit." I go, "But there have been people at our church that have been concerned and wondered about you." So there there probably has been those rumors fr- flying around, and we're probably responsible for that. And thank you for calling us on that. And that's you know yeah. we shouldn't be doing that. And uh, and so it was just this really uh, sweet thing, and that actually developed a really sweet relationship between us in rock Harbor at the time. And yeah. we started, we did a couple conferences together. And back in the day, there was these discernment ministries that were really popular in Calvary right. Chapel. Yeah. They would just, they would talk about every church. In fact, there was no church good enough for them. They didn't go to church because no church was good enough. They were just going to criticize every church and almost like, you know, every church was some way heretical to them. So, right. so, to me, I just saw the fruit of that. I saw the end game of that. And I thought. I just realized oh my gosh that that is not what we're called to be as christians that is not what the jesus is calling us to and like you were saying in john 17 paul in ephesians 4 um that's not what we are as believers and so it really was like the lord in in a beautiful way kind way kind of redirecting us like in talk about deconstruction like deconstructing these these there's like a healthy deconstruction i think and and yeah there's a way to deconstruct, Hey, we've become like this. We shouldn't be this way any, anymore. Where did we go wrong? How can we get back mm-hmm. to a place where we're like, we're, we're healthy in the best sense of that. We're humble. We're, we're teachable, but we're also really depending on the Holy spirit for his leading and blessing and guiding. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, I think that's every generation. I think that's every church. We'll walk through that at some yeah. point, you know, um, I just don't want to be associated with or be that tribal church that's throwing stones at everybody. Um, I don't think that's what God's called us to be. So how do the question is how do we walk in great discernment? How do we be discerning and wise and yet walk with great, um, humility and, and, and kindness and, and, um, unity. So that's where the guys would push back. Well, you know, usually it's it's like in my experience, the word discernment is kind of a spiritual word for critical. You know, yeah, Um, right. And I think that's where we need to redefine it. What does it mean to be discerning? You know, Um, yeah. It doesn't mean we're to criticize everybody and to pick everybody apart and. And, and if you think about it, it's basically saying like, hey, we're doing, we're awesome. And we're gonna show you how you're not awesome, but we're gonna pick apart <laughs> okay. your, your ministry. <laughs> yeah. That's right. really what yeah. it is. And I think it's 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 subtle, but it's it's sin and it's wrong.
0: Right, yeah, I agree. And I, I think that, you know, again, this isn't a, this isn't saying that there are not things that we divide over. I think that whole emerging right. church thing, I remember that because that was right in the, right when I was in the thick of church planting. And um yeah. And I was on that kind of bandwagon too, which was funny because I mean we were doing things like candles and other stuff at our church, but I was still kind of like, "Ooh, the emergent church," you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: was um, the buzzword. (laughs) um,
0: Yeah, but there, but there were at the same time there were in Denver a couple different churches that were very gaining popularity that were teaching that were part of that truly part of that emergent church movement that were teaching things that are decidedly unbiblical, like universalism, um, right. and some other really dangerous, um, theologies. And so, so there is that like,
1: dividing, right. There's the dividing exactly. line. right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so it's that, you know, I think, I think those categories that you gave earlier are so important because, okay, what am I willing to die over? Right. Yeah. What, what am I going to divide over? Because there are things if someone is, is declaring a universalist, um, theology then i'm going to say well I, I mean i i could wish that were the case but here's sure. what the bible actually says we're going to you know kind of split exactly that. yes um, if somebody's you know teaching something that's truly that far off but i think yeah. that so often it's it's exactly what you said we get to the point where it's we're, we're nitpicking every little thing
1: and we would just kind of lump it in like if somebody did church right. different we would just go oh that's emergent or emerging or whatever. And we would like, without really knowing or talking or, or really understanding what where they were at, um, right? And, and so that that was the danger because, like you said, there there were churches definitely uh, doing that, and it was a strong move, like in that mid two thousands or whatever. Um, so we want to be careful of it for sure. But yeah. but we also need to be careful not to like the broad brush thing, you know. And I, yeah, that, that's exactly. There's a lot of nuance um, in in different ministries and how they approach it, but but yeah I think there's such
0: value value in like learning learning from each other as well you mentioned that earlier also and i just even remember so after i kind of um was really kind of coming through that process of of getting beyond like the the sectarianism i guess you'd call it yeah Um, i mean it's which really is it's 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 like paul said you know some say i'm of paul i'm of apollos i'm of cephas you know i'm of christ like that's really not what it's about, but right. um, but as I was coming out of that, really, I was able to learn specifically in a teaching because I grew up, you know, I, I grew up teaching wise in in Calvary Chapel in the sense that I learned how to study and teach the Bible through a Calvary Chapel lens, yes. um, which I really value. But um, but I also was finding myself inspired by some other teachers that are not part of that movement and really are not necessarily, they're not verse by verse, line by line teachers, at least I would say. Um, sure. and, and we go through the Bible at, at our church. We do typically do that. And we'll have some little mini series in between sections, but, um, I, I read this book. Um, I read an Andy Stanley book actually, um, which, you know, Andy Stanley, it might be kind of downplayed a little bit by a lot of people right now. Cause he says some things that are, even I'm like, what really you said that, but, um, <laughs> totally. but I read this book and it was, it was on teaching. It was called communicating for, for a change. And, um, it really changed my perspective on, on teaching. And I think really like not, not on what we're teaching or the importance of teaching it, but really like communicating it in a way that people understand. So rather than just kind of the old, you know, read and ramble, um here's yeah. you know here's two who's two verses and then i'm going to just explain to you what these mean and then i'll move to the next one and i'm not saying that god can't use that because he did in my sure. life for many years <laughs> Sure. but sure. but um but approaching it with uh, i feel like a different perspective and for me it kind of i think there's i could never pronounce his name right carrie newhoff i don't know i think that's how you say mm-hmm. his name he's he's a guy in canada and he said yeah. he said this he said preachers facilitate an experience teachers convey information The best pastors do both well and he says preaching without solid teaching can become emotionalism teaching without preaching can become intellectualism Mm, and um for me it it was just kind of this like there's a lot that i can learn from these people that are not the same as me and there's probably a lot that they could learn from us yes um and really like to, to to think that that just reading it and then explaining it is is really where we should be well paul said i didn't come with Words of men's wisdom, but with demonstration of the spirit and of power. Right, right um, when, right, when right. he was preaching, and so, yeah. so I, I I could go off on a tangent on that, but really, I guess my point is that um, I think as much as there is value in our individual groups, and there's a reason that people belong to individual churches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also think there's a lot that we can learn from each other, and when yeah. we draw those dividing lines that make it look like well, they're the bad guys and we're the good guys, with yeah other believers that if we really examined what they believe, we probably would line up on most things. That's um, right. That's and a dangerous gonna be place to be in
1: heaven with them. <laughs> Where should we yeah, look? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, think one of the dangers, I think we'll go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was thinking one of the dangers of, in my opinion of, um, of that mentality too is isolationism because yeah. you become super isolated in your own world. You get blind. You have, you have your own blind spots that you can't see. And, um, and I think that isolationism is uh, is dangerous in a lot of ways because you just become almost inbred, like you're you're not able to receive from others, and you don't uh, like we we're talking before, like the teachable teachable part of it. So right. I, I think a lot of it too is is you know trusting the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in our life, in our church, in in our community means yeah. uh, not not death gripping it, not holding you know like this is the Lord's work; it is God's right. church it's not my church it's god's church and yeah. um he's going to hold it together and we're going to shepherd under shepherd you know the people he's put in front of us and um and so like just the isolationism i think that's one thing i saw that was also unhealthy as we kind of circled the wagons it was kind of like hey the more you're at church the more spiritual you are and the more you know we're going to just this the, the world is horrible you know we're, let's let's you know escape from it. There's yeah. an element of truth in all of that. There's an element. Right. Yeah. The world is messed up. <clears throat> the world is hurting. Um, but when we become isolationist, we become separatist and we're not going to engage the culture in, in the way that I think the Lord wants us to. We start to look at everybody as the enemy, instead of looking at everybody as um, man, they're made in the image of God. They have dignity but they also have depravity. <clears throat> we're all marked with the dignity of God, <clears throat> we have his image, but we're all messed up because we have the depravity of sin. Yeah, running through every part of us. So so looking at people like, you know, wow, the Lord loves them, he wants to reach them, save them. Um and and just seeing people in that way, I think that's been a an important part of like not getting caught in the isolationist or separatist kind of mentality. Right. And I think that's also a sure way to see a quick, a quick death of a church, you know. Yeah, it's um, true. because it's well, true. we gather, it almost comes back to the whole why, the why the church gathers. We gather to be encouraged, built up, mm-hmm. equipped, to glorify the Lord together, to then be sent out to do ministry, like to actually yeah. do ministry outside the four walls of the church. It's the gathering to be right. equipped, uh, encouraged, refuge, reminder, um to be sent out to engage the world and that's that's the that's the picture of the of the healthy church in my opinion
0: yeah i agree and i think the the um the other side of that too is if we're isolationists we we miss the opportunity even maybe to bring that and correction to another group you know, just like I mean, right. I guess describing even the way that the the Rock Harbor did with you guys, um, yeah. You know, I I can I, I have conversations with the Presbyterian pastor here, and we talk about ministry and talk about some of those things, and it's like, okay, well, how are we? Why do you believe that this way, or why do they do right. things that way? And it's you have that dialogue that then just gives opportunity. Each other yeah yeah exactly um and that's really the that's really the picture of the body of christ and i think that that's that's not only for individual believers that's the way that we should be doing it but that's actually you know a biblical model of church as a whole we see that in in ephesians 4 where it says you know speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head christ right so the whole body and we often think of the body as being individuals but even individual churches and individual movements of god comprising the body of Christ. Yes. Um, it says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So every mm-hmm. joint supplying every stuff to joint. the body as a whole, That's according right. to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for edifying of itself in love. And so, yes. um, so recognizing that there is value in what um, other churches yep. do and say and believe. And, and there's also things that they might be short on and maybe i have the opportunity to speak into that and maybe they have the opportunity to speak into our shortcomings and,
1: exactly. um, and
0: just to grow in that so again that doesn't negate the, the fact that there is false teaching or that even those believers who are going to be with us in heaven that espouse truly false doctrine in some areas shouldn't be corrected Yes, um, but i think that um, we don't just have this isolationist perspective. So, um, we'll wrap up with this. What are your thoughts on some, on what that unity might look like? Um, just, just kind of last final thoughts on like, if we're going to avoid the isolationism and we're going to move towards unity in the body of Christ, what, what, what does that look like, um, in your mind?
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, I think the heart behind unity is, uh, the beautiful community that comes from, um, biblical unity you know like the mm-hmm. like you were saying all the joints the, the lingaments like we all need each other the body of Christ we need each other not just in our own fellowship like you know right. uh, of church we like we need each other in the big big sea church uh yeah. even I think other you know uh, traveling a lot into missions over the years just just the the beauty of seeing how God is working in other nations and other cultures uh, it's so it's so beautiful. We we need each other. I need to be challenged and encouraged by what God's doing there, and they need that from us as well. So yeah. the, I think the heart behind unity is is a beautiful community, a beautiful diverse community of every tribe, tongue, uh, mm-hmm. you know, language, nation. That that will be what heaven is like. Um, yeah. I think. Uh, the, I think uni- unity is sometimes you, people look at unity like as compromise. Like if you unify with other right. people, you're compromising. And I think that's, that's just not true. It can be true. If you're, if you're going to, if you're going to compromise truth for the sake of unity, like on, like we're talking about the essential, the essentials. Um, and that's not what we're, we're doing or we're going to do. We're going to stand and, and fight uh, the good fight of faith and, and die on the hill of truth, you know, but, but yeah. there's, I think like the categories that we talked about i think we need to die to the secondary issues and preferences um that we have to maintain unity you know um right and some of those things are just part of you know our human nature um so all the things that challenge unity are different opinions different gifts different experiences different origins those things that we're all we all have our own spiritual journey and spiritual soundtrack and spiritual like you know some like church language almost you know yeah um, that's the that's to me that's the challenge right we those are the challenges to unity but right. um, love is always the motive behind unity and the ultimate uh, goal of that is is obviously community and I, I think we want to be known more what we're for than what we're against um, and that that's that's, key point yeah. I think what a lot of times we're we're more known for what we're against than what we're for, Mm -hmm. and that's that's where it looks and you start to feel like it feels unhealthy. It doesn't feel right. We're you know we're just going to tell everybody what we're against instead of um, what we are for, and I think that that's a huge distinction. Um, Yeah. So I I don't know. To me, I I, I know it's not easy. I think unity. You have to work hard for it because I think our our default is to divide. I think our default nature is to you know be suspicious of other people i think but when it comes to like love believes all things hopes all things you know those are those are challenges to us when it comes to to unity in the body of christ you know right yeah and um travel for me has done a huge part i mean just has made a big uh change in my life just um seeing god work in different cultures and they do stuff differently and um and they're blessed by what we bring to the table but you know I don't know. There's just a yeah. lot of that. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff in there. Um, so the questions for, you know, for me have always been like, how can I be a better unifier and at church and in my home? Um, where am I a divider? Um, and am I divisive? Am I yeah. divisive? Like, right. You know, and some people might defend their divisiveness because they're like, well, I'm standing, you know, on truth, but let's, let's just unpack that a little bit. Like what, what truth are you actually like? Um, you know, being divisive right. over, is it secondary right. things that your preferences? I mean, what's exactly. all this last little thing for me? Like, it's so funny because in the Calvary chapel world, you know, in the worship side of things, Chuck loved to have everybody stand together, everybody sit together. Um, yeah. So if someone stood during our worship services, an usher would come and sit you down and <laughs> okay. embarrass you in front of the whole church. <laughs> okay. Uh, you would always start off the service with an organ and a piano and so okay. for people in our Calvary Chapel stream that would criticize other Calvary Chapels for not being, doing it like, you know, Chuck did it. I would just turn that around on them and say, hey guys, you, none of you did worship like Chuck yeah. did worship, you <laughs> right. know, services. None of you yeah. uh, had ushers come down and sit people down if they stood. None of you guys had an organ or a penis. None right. of you guys started every service yeah. with a hymn. Like none of you guys had hymnals. Yeah. I mean, like if we want to really break it down. So I, I think... Like, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of, like, I can see why Chuck did it. It was his, it was his legacy of what he grew up in. And he was just, he loved that stuff. But Chuck was very gracious with other Calvary chapels and he let Mm -hmm. other Calvary chapels be who they were horizoned and harvest and, you know, all these different guys that kind of had their own version of it. And he was very gracious with all those guys. And I think we need to carry that same thing. So I think, I think unity to, to me looks like being gracious and, and believing all things, um, yeah. believing good things about other people, uh, right. and not being jumping so, to
0: conclusions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And my challenge is for anybody who has questions, like if they're going to criticize somebody, um, you know, personally or, or even publicly, and you know, that's a huge, that's a massive, um, uh, to me that that's, that's very dangerous ground. And if you have yeah. not gone to that person, and have not talked to them personally and asked them right. personal questions, then you have no right. <laughs> you yeah. have no right. You just you're assuming, you're parroting what right. other people have said. So even after you go and talk to them personally and have gone to them, you might just realize, whoa, like you have thoughtful reasons for why you're doing the thing the way you're doing it. I, I would do it yeah. different. I disagree, but to me, if we if we all practice that Matthew 18, like going to the yeah. brother, if we really Absolutely. have true concerns. Going to them, man, we would have so much more unity than we do. It's true, and I think it would it would
0: it would solve so many issues in the church. It solves so many so many divisions that are unnecessary in a lot of ways. And and again, it doesn't mean that you don't confront false teaching. That's what Matthew eighteen is. is confronting uh, somebody who sinned against you. It's 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 hitting the nail on the head, but not just saying, "Well, you believe that, and so we're going to go this way, and we'll cut you off or whatever." It's working through that just recognizing that, you know, our, our salvific doctrine is the same, how you're saved, our, uh, theology about who God is, is the same. And so, that means we're going to be spending heaven and and eternity together we should just work these issues out now and, you yeah. know figure so, out how yeah. to work through it let's let's talk through those things let's let iron sharpen iron and maybe we agree like paul and barnabas to go our separate ways but right. um but that that doesn't mean that that um we can't work towards a common goal in those separate ways and and re- and respect and mutual respect and not throwing hand grenades you know of of um kind of blasting other people
1: and other ministries and those things so exactly uh, exactly which i think hurts that just hurts the work of the gospel it doesn't help at all it's like we we all have strong opinions we're all we all think our opinions are right um but you know, let's we we have to work. We have to endeavor to keep the <laughs> unity of the spirit and, uh, and the bond of peace, and yeah. just be and appreciate, like you were saying, the be- beauty of the diversity of the body of Christ. All the li- ligaments and joints and different parts of the body that make up right. the body of Christ. It's very diverse and beautiful and, and different. And um, yeah. so, yeah, that's good. It's awesome.
0: Well, and I, I think the, just the kind of final thought on my end is I, I think I went to two years ago, I got to go to India and visit some, um, some, this pastor friend of mine who's there and he's, um, just He's a guy that got saved and tried to get into seminary and got refused from seminary um, yeah. because of some reason. And uh, But radical testimony, crazy stuff. His siblings tried to kill him for leaving Hinduism for for Christianity. And he crazy. felt called by God to move to nor- northern India and plant churches. And so he did. He moved up there wow. and he started a church and... Um, out of that church has started other churches and we went and visited. He's got 145 churches that are under his leadership, um, with this network of 21 pastors. And they travel, these 21 pastors travel to these 145 churches and lead these churches. And these are all in unreached areas. So these churches are made up of between 40 and 100 people each and all of the people that are in these churches are new believers that they they were Hindus or whatever. And they've all come to to faith in Christ through this ministry. So, I mean, we're talking thousands of people um, and they do stuff very differently than we do. They do their service very differently than we do. They do their discipleship very differently than we do. Um, There's a little bit of doctrinal difference in some places, um, but I just, uh, you know, a lot of times we go into missions and thinking like, oh, we're gonna kind of show them how to do things. And I'm just like, man, I just wanna (laughs) spend some time with this guy and learn what you're doing because this is just crazy how God is using you. Uh, And it goes back to what you said before at the very beginning, which is just the blessing of God is not necessarily, um, it's really uh, because of who he is in the blood of Christ and we're adopted into his family and how he wants to move and just simple obedience. And so um, awesome. Well, thank you. Those are really some great thoughts. And I think, I hope whoever's listening is blessed by that, Um, maybe encouraged to, Um, to think about our brothers and sisters in Christ in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, not to to downplay false doctrine or false teaching, but to recognize what really are the essential teachings and then how do we, uh, on the non-essentials, how do we work together with those, or maybe even have that iron sharpening iron conversation with those who might believe differently Yes. Um, to endeavor to achieve um, the, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace working together as a body of Christ. So Man. thank you, Scott, for being with us today. Uh, it's been a blessing having you on and really appreciate your thoughts and insights.
1: Thanks, Nate. It's been a privilege and uh, just so stoked to see what God's doing with you guys there in, uh, in Vail and look forward to uh, keeping in touch awesome.
0: All right. Well, thanks for tuning in everybody. Um, once again, if, uh, you haven't yet, if you could do us a favor and rate, um, the podcast, that would be great. And, um, like the, this podcast, share it with your friends, um, that all those things help us get pushed up in the algorithms. We'd really appreciate it. And until next time, have a great day and God bless.